0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: With the 10-year anniversary of Jay Cutler's trade fast approaching, Jack Silverstein and I spend this episode reminiscing on Jay Cutler, what he means to the Bears, and what he was when he was back on the team. It's all coming at you on this week's episode of Bear With Me. Hello and welcome everybody to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears-focused podcast where I, Robert Schmitz, your host, either analyze the latest in Bears trends or, as you'll see in this episode, bring on a guest to talk about a special topic that's near and dear to my heart. In this case, I've got a Skype interview with you from Jack Silverstein, where he and I are going to spend the next hour talking all things Jay Cutler. And I mean it when I say, this is phenomenal stuff. If you're a fan of history in any fashion, make sure that you pay attention to this one because Jack absolutely kills it. And so, without any further ado, let's jump into Skype. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jack. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself before we get rolling?
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Jack M. Silverstein, read Jack on Twitter, and I am the Windy City Gridiron Bears historian. Uh, I'll, I'll be frank, we have some awesome, awesome historians um, <clears throat> on the staff, not just me, Jeff, uh, Ken, Lester, um, you know, everybody Everybody really takes an eye toward it. So, uh, But anyways, I am the Windy City Gridiron historian, and um, and let's do it.
1: Absolutely, I can't be more excited to have you on for this topic because I've been waiting to do this topic, frankly, since I started podcasting. For those who don't know, Jack and I are about to go at it about all things Jay Cutler because this April third, we are about to hit the ten-year anniversary
0: of the trade. That's so nuts! It's <laughs> uh, go go ahead, tee, tee it off because um, I'm a big I'm, I'm a big Jay supporter as well. And, uh, and I was excited that day, and I remained pretty much excited about him all the way up until his final season. So um, get us started.
1: Yeah, so we'll get a little bit more into the emotional side of what we feel about Jay Cutler, but to tee it up, 10 years ago on uh, April 3rd, he got traded for a 2009, it was crazy typing that, by the way, because my fingers wanted to type 2019, but a 2009 first, a 2009 third, a 2010 first round pick and Kyle Orton. Which I'm with you. I mean, I had basically just started following the Bears at that point. I barely knew what football was. And so to hear that we got this guy, 5000 yard season, like tons of potential behind him, Pro Bowl appearance. It felt like a dream come true. I remember I went to Soldier Field uh, and on a trip from Dallas uh, around then and saw all these T-shirts that were like, we got Jay Cutler. Jay's our quarterback now. And it was it was a wild time. And then of course a 27 yard interception season or 27 interception season happened and things changed but I don't know what would you what do you think would you do the trade again we'll call that question number 1
0: oh yeah 100% we actually wrote about this um, as a staff in his final season and that was one of the questions because it's the obvious starting point when you've been through the entire ride and you say okay now we know everything would you do it again Yes, I would, Um, although I wonder if there would have been a way to reduce some of the friction between Jay and, in particular, the defensive players. Um, There was a great camaraderie uh, in the Levy years. And it extended offense defense, and there was a rivalry between them because a number of the offensive players have told me that they felt like the offense was the little brother, which like they also understand why that was. The D was was wrecking people, and the offense was struggling to <clears throat> to score touchdowns. Um, but there was a lot of pride on that offense with Olin. And with Thomas, obviously, before he was traded, with the other stout offensive linemen, with Jason McKee um, and Dez Clark. And then uh, as of 07, uh, Olsen. And, um, And then you obviously always had this quarterback question. The guys, though, were tight with Rex. And I think they liked Greasy. I actually haven't heard people talk that much about him, but they did like Orton. And Orton was drafted as a fourth-round rookie. He'd fallen off at Purdue, and he was supposed to be a first-rounder. And then he got hurt, and so he he dropped a little bit. We got him in the fourth round. This was 2005, Rex's third season. Rex goes down in the preseason. Orton comes in, and this was when the Bears were putting it together defensively. We rip off that eight-game win streak. We go 11-5. and five. Kyle starts 15 of those games. He struggles um, a little bit down the stretch. I mean, he wasn't a dynamic player, and they went back to Rex. Rex played the playoff game. We lost. Rex then played all 16 games in 2006, Super Bowl, struggled in 07. They bench him, greasy, and all this time, Orton is on the bench. There's a There's a great – I don't know, maybe I'm putting too much into it, but there's a great photo of Orton um, during media day at the Super Bowl, and he's just sitting there just by himself. And it's like a, a year ago he was the starter on this team, and now he's the third stringer. I don't think he took a snap all that season, but he played the end of 2007. So they so the team sort of went back and forth between Rex and Greasy, played in 07, and then there was a legitimate um, quarterback competition in camp at 08 and orton won the job and he started 15 games he missed one with an injury played really well played above everybody's expectations jived really well with um with the defense uh led a nice offense forte was a rookie um they had lost moose and bernard barian so this was the beginning of devin hester as uh you're you know forced into it number one wide receiver and they still had Rashid Davis, and they had Olson, and Des Clark, and Garrett Wolf as a backup running back. Everybody liked Orton. They just missed the playoffs. They lost in Week 17, and that was what set the stage for the J trade. Was a you know what we were right there, and maybe if we had a quarterback who was a little more dynamic, who had a little bit more, um, had bigger weapons. I mean, like personally, like a little bit bigger, better arm jay was a recent first round pick he was coming off a 4500 yard season and a pro bowl season and um there had been a lot of talk about his personality south park had done a whole episode or maybe just like part of an episode on jay and so there was a lot of talk about that he didn't get along with josh mcdaniel but you know josh mcdaniel flamed out in denver anyways so it was like "Mm -hmm." so so there was this look it was like all right we have this quarterback he suddenly played his way into being a trade chip. It's sort of the same thing with Will Perdue. Will Perdue suddenly turned himself into a trade chip, and we were able to flip him for Dennis Rotman. And almost the same kind of idea where you're taking on someone's potential personality problem with great physical skills and that you put yourself in a position to do that because a bench player basically turned out a career year. So... Yeah, there was a lot of talk the week leading up to the deal. And then I remember it hit, and I wrote about this that day. All of a sudden, I started getting all these texts. My boy Ben hits me up. We got six. My boy Brian Glickman hits me up. And I think that same day we signed Orlando Pace, who was cooked at that point, but, um, but that was kind of exciting. It was like, well, if we get nothing else out of Orlando Pace, maybe he can help sort of the young offensive lineman. But it was just all of a sudden there was all this chatter. And it was this feeling that, you know, A, in in the Super Bowl we had, um, listen, I love Rex, but we should have been running the ball. And we had a quarterback with notoriously small hands who um, was playing with a wet ball. There had been a number of fumbles that game. Peyton Manning had fumbled that game. And it was this, like, geez, could we have won with a better quarterback and how big of an upgrade would we have needed? Well, people thought, you know, Jay could be that upgrade and everybody was pumped. Everybody was real pumped. I still remember that smile on Jay's face and that press conference with that goofy, like bowl haircut he had going on those, you know, cherub cheeks. And he's a, he was a boy. He was, but a boy. Um, I think he was 25 and we didn't, have really receivers it was like greg olson devin and um but we had forte who had had that wonderful rookie year and the defense was still the defense Lovey was still lovey and it was like okay here we go and then that 09 year the how old were you for that season
1: uh i must have been gosh i don't have the number off the top of my head i must have been 14 15 i seriously i did not know much about football i knew it's funny looking back you remember you rattle off all these names uh, that I remember and Orton I go back and I can't help but think that that guy is the prototypical quarterback that Bears fans seem to want the guy who's not going to do much but he's also not going to turn the ball over which couldn't have been a bigger departure from Jay Cutler and especially in that 09 season
0: yeah and and Brian came right out and stuck up for Orton um and that was the beginning of this division between you know the defense led by brian and the offense which was like i can't exactly say led by jay but where jay was this was a centerpiece um he was you know he was he was this he was gravity and everything was being sucked toward him, but you had this defense that was just like, "Hey, we could have gotten this done with with Kyle." Um, you know, we liked him. And one thing that Jason McKee told me a couple years ago was that while there was always a rivalry between the offense and the defense, it always felt like one team. And when Jay arrived, that was when it started to feel like two teams. So that was the start. And that 2009 season was just a disaster. We lost um, several close games where Jay had a ton of interceptions. He threw that red zone pick, his fifth of the game against the 49ers, where we lost 10 to 6. He threw a bunch against Philly. Um, he had this horrific game against the Ravens, uh, where we lost, I think, 36 to 7, something like that. I think he may have posted the donut that game Um, in QB or excuse me in passer rating he I'm trying to remember oh well I mean he came out opening night against the Packers and threw four but he also had this beautiful uh, touchdown to Johnny Knox he had a great pass to Devin Hester I remember that second week um, against Pittsburgh and they were the defending champs we beat them Jay had a throw that was like I've never seen this from a Bears quarterback it was inside the it was definitely inside the 10 i want to say it was like five from the five or the six he was in shotgun and pittsburgh came with a rush maybe james harrison and it was like half a second after the ball had been snapped less than that there's a guy on jay and he's still in his backpack i mean he was he wasn't even at the back of his drop yet and he just ripped off this pass i think it went to kellen Davis. I think it was a pass that was thrown so hard, fast, and straight that it just stuck in Kellen Davis's notoriously mm, suspicious hands. And I just remember being like, oh, my God. It, it reminded me of growing up a Northwestern fan in Evanston. And we used to we, – we loved Northwestern, but they were – you know they were the laughing stock. They were the cellar dweller, and we used to. One of the reasons you would go to Northwestern games was to see all these other players who were going to be in the NFL. To go see Tyrone Wheatley, or well, Charles Woodson was a little bit later. Eddie George, and all of a sudden, when Northwestern got good, it was like, oh, I'm coming now to see my team. And we used to watch great quarterback play in the division. We watched Brett. We watched Randall Cunningham. We watched uh, Scott Mitchell had a nice run in Detroit. Um, I mean, going back further, Don Madzikowski, it was like Minnesota always had somebody Warren moon and, you know, even Tampa with um, Trent Dilfer had a little run, Brad Johnson. But, um, but now we had the guy, like we had a guy who could do those things. And that was so exciting. I remember writing at the beginning of that year that, you know, the Bears are still going to struggle, but the quarterback won't be the reason. Well, that turned out not to be right, but, the, the, like, the heart of it, like, the you know, the heart and soul of that statement was accurate, which was that it, it felt good to have someone with all of these elite skills. And Jay did have, elite, have an elite skill set. He had um, trouble making the dumb decision. I remember Nate Vash and a couple other Bears used to talk about how, especially – when Brett was getting a little older, they would say, he's going to throw you one, just make sure you catch it. And that was the mantra at House Hall among the Bears defenders, like 04, 05, 06, 07 with Favre. He's going to throw you one, make sure you catch it. And then I remember there was NFL films of like the Packers sideline, 09, 10, 11, somewhere in there. And they said almost the exact same thing about Jay. And they drew that comparison a lot. And the difference was, was that Jay didn't quite have the magic. He didn't quite have that unifying skill that you need as a quarterback, that leadership trait. He didn't have as many touchdowns. He was tough as hell. I mean, the the toughness thing was bullshit when they would say, oh, he's not tough. That uh, just – so agonizing to hear that because he was getting killed. The Giants game famously, even Olin has said, like, God, we let him get, den- you know, just destroyed. Yeah, exactly. And it was, um, so that was always BS. You and I talked just briefly before we started here about Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that in Dallas specifically, mm-hmm. I assume. Not yes, in- of, of course, in Dallas. Dallas specifically that there was conversation about Romo versus Jay, And that was the same conversation in Chicago. How did Cowboys fans tip during that?
1: So it's weird Uh, to recap those who, of course, weren't in our conversation before the show. uh, When I before the show, I know crazy, right? Uh, when I, when I grew up all throughout high school, I took so much crap for being a bears fan. I mean, that's what happens when you're a fan of an out of town team, right? Especially when, as, as what happened with Jay on the team, they developed from being really good in, in 06 obviously to not very good. We, we'll get, of course, to how the J era ended, but it sort of trended and and yeah. it would go up and then and then it would go down again, and then it, it would kind of climb up and, and then it rocketed right on back down. Yeah. But what I would always bring up was how his, or the Cowboy fans would treat Romo because they had kind of similar careers in that, uh, both of them, in my opinion anyways, got an unfair amount of criticism for what they were bringing to the team. And, of course, we can bring out what that means as far as Jay Cutler's uh, contributions to the Bears, but at least with Romo, I watched that team enough to know that he was the one holding them together. And though he would make the final interception a little too often, he also had uh, the ability to bring them back from almost anything because, like you mentioned with Jay, at the end of the day, he had the skill set he needed to play quarterback. And I guess what I found after looking back on all those memories, on all those arguments, all those, on all those times I stuck up with Cutler, Cutler, is that, is like that, you said, I, it was so good to have somebody that I wasn't pretending the Bears were going to just play around. Like with Rex, with Orton, with Greasy. I still remember I still that remember chant, by the way, when uh, Grossman came in. And Grossman was a, my first quarterback. That Super Bowl run, that was when my dad really hooked me on it. So hearing Soldier Field chanting, greasy, 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 it didn't make sense what a backup QB even was. It wasn't something I even understood yet. And at least what Jay gave us, and I'll talk a little more about this later, was the eight years of the same guy at the front with the ability to do anything, a perfect game that I'll bring up. And I'm sure you could name the date and time, but I remember there was one game in which Jay and the bears just started terribly against San Francisco, if I'm remembering correctly. And it was early in the season and the bears were down. Gosh, there must've been like 22, nothing like within the first quarter And it was back when Brandon Marshall was on the team. And slowly but surely, Forte, Jay, and Marshall brought the team back. That was when Marshall had, I remember, three touchdowns, including one one one-handed grab. And Jay, in all these moments, was right in the middle of it. He was the guy who was able to make stuff happen. Another game that I remember, because uh, it actually won one of my friends, a fantasy tournament, uh, was when Jay uh, made that absolutely unbelievable throw to Zach Miller to win a game on Sunday Night Football. I mean, he was just able of making any play at any time. It was just a matter of whether that be a good play or a bad play. Ultimately... (laughs) Cowboys fans, crazy enough to circle back to the original question, kept saying that Romo was the problem of the team. A lot like what Chicago fans, frankly, would say about Jay. And I don't ever think that that was fair, because I don't think that they realized the stability that having a quarterback, even a flawed one, brings to a football club.
0: Yeah, I've gone through that a bunch. And you sort of just look at his best seasons, where it felt like we could have done something. And you sort of pick it apart and say, well, what was... The issue. All right. So, 09, that team was that team was bad. That was a bad year. But 2010 that was a very strong year. We had a bad offensive line. That was the Giants' game. Um, I think Jay was sacked 58 times that season, and th- and that's not hyperbole. I'm pretty sure that's the number. Um, I think it is. And and then we get to the NFC title game. And something that I always thought about with Romo was I wondered if. The famous play, um, his first year as a starter, where he, um, where the Cowboys had a chance to kick a, a game-winning field goal against Seattle in the wild card round, and that very, that very like fluorescent football, like a bright, I don't, I don't know if it was wet, it was just like slick looking, and it, um, it hit him in the hands. He he dropped the, he dropped the snap. He picked it up. He tried to roll out, make a play, got tackled, and then he was sitting there, and it was like, oh, what a bummer, and. I always wondered if Cowboys fans ever were given like an image that could override that image Mm -hmm. because I don't think the bears fans ever got a game or, or, or a season or an image that could ever override the sense of disappointment and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. misplaced or not the sense of betrayal, um, that they rightly or not, I would say not, um, that they felt, though, when Jay had to leave the NFC title game against Green Bay. I remember um, when I talked to that Olin, was that was last Olin's last game, a he was a bear, and, and he was talking was about battling an about about injury, 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 and he I had, had to bring I it up. I was like, what about I Jay? And he was like, you know, was like, you know, he was like, Jay couldn't plant. Um, there was that rumor that came out afterward that it was like the, the injury wasn't what people thought it was that he just dinged his knee or something, but it turned out to be an MCL, but he was just like, Jay couldn't plant. And if you can't plant as a quarterback, that's it. That's it. And now there was always the problem with Jay with optics. He just, the whole don't care thing. And, and that's true. He didn't. And players will say that the teammates who love him and they'll say, you know, Jay's there for us, um, although that tends to come out more from the people who are closer with him, like Kyle Long, for example. But he didn't care about optics. So when you've, you're right there in the NFC title game, he goes down, Todd Collins comes in, he's hideous, he goes out, and now it's Haney. And and incredible as it is, Caleb Haney had us in a position to tie that game twice. So we were down 14-7, and that was the Raji touchdown. And then down 21-14, we're still driving. We've got the ball. I mean, that game ended on a game-clinching interception by the Packers. So when you're, when you're in that situation, it's the NFC title game. It's your first postseason since the Super Bowl. You're at home. It's against your rival. Super Bowl is on the line. You got your third-string quarterback. You just want to see something more from your starter. And what we just saw was – him on the sideline in the coat you know not really moving um you know not really getting involved i remember what think about what carson wentz looked like during the super bowl for example where he's hyped up he's telling nick Foles, this is your day you got it this is your dream now here's carson wentz who's a first um, you know, number one pick, and was on his way to being league MVP, and hypothetically is on his way to being in that game. He's got every reason in the world to be upset, and that was just that was just a beautiful thing to see how Wentz, um, you know, showed out and supported, and whatever has happened since, whatever. Like there, there was an opportunity there to be something, to be petty or to be supportive, <clears throat> to to feel how you were going to feel or bury it. And I get the sense that Wentz, what he was feeling was was sincere. But even if it wasn't, he was doing what he had to do to be a good teammate. And Jay just didn't do that. And because that was his second season here, and because it was the NFC title game, because we never got back to the playoffs, he was never able to... um, To 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 do anything that would supersede and set that memory aside in the eyes of Bears fans. So then you go through it season by season. It's 2011. We were seven and three. Um, Jay throws the pick where Johnny Knox slips on the turf in San Diego, or we're six and three at that point. He goes and tries to make a tackle. He said Forte gets really the one that killed us. Forte gets injured. And then he's out for the season. And then it's Haney and Marion Barber. Then we had the Marion Barber game, Tim Tebow, blah, 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 blah. blah. So then we totally bottom out and finish eight and eight. The next year, they're like, all right, we need a better backup. They get Jason Campbell. That's the Brandon Marshall year. Now we've given Jay a great, you know, great receiver. Brandon rewrites the entire Bears record book out of Um, nowhere. I mean, immediately. (laughs) Immediately, right. He has that beautiful game against the Colts. And we start seven and one um and then we play houston at home they were good that year jay gets knocked out um again but again it was like a toughness play so so jay got knocked out trying to make a tackle in 2011 where he broke his thumb the play in 2012 is one that i don't know how many people remember it but he he was trying to extend a play and he was stepping up it was it was basically it wasn't a sack but it was just like a like a heavy coverage play. And so he's stepping up in the pocket, and he took like maybe one or two too many steps up, um, fired this pass, and as he did, he just got cracked right in the jaw, um, knocked him out. The next week, he missed. That was Kaepernick's first game. So it was Kaepernick versus Jason Campbell. The 49ers killed us, 32-7. to And then Jay came back, and... We could never get over the hump. Um, that was an example I always thought where it was like our postseason was in the regular season. So the second half of that season, we played a number of playoff teams, and we lost to almost all of them. We we lost to Green Bay. We lost. We split with Minnesota. We lost to Seattle. The Seattle game was the one that really did us in because we were up, and if we had. Defeated Seattle, we would have been in the playoffs. But then we would have lost in the playoffs. I mean, that team was just getting kind of old. And Jay, that was the year, and that holds a special place for me because I covered that team wire to wire in the locker room. And that was a year where Jay needed to be able to be the difference. And he couldn't. Um, 2013, he was badly beaten up. I remember he was they folded him against uh, Washington. Someone on Washington hit him, and he, he his body folded. And that was the year that then McCown came in, and you know, and and killed it. Um, so that was the first year of Tressman. Then you get into this other theme of all of these offensive coordinators. Um, so we went from Turner to Martz to Tice to Tressman slash Cromer uh, so for 14, 15 to Pace. The great year with Ryan Pace. Um, I'm sorry, not Ryan Pace. Uh, Adam Gase. Gase, yeah, you're sorry, close Adam
1: enough. <laughs> you're in the right ballpark.
0: <laughs> I'm in the ace. So uh, so Adam Gase, and then he leaves. And that was always the issue. Um, 2014 was just, the, that was the biggest disaster of Bears football that I've ever seen. Uh, that's not hyperbole either. That's that the is. Cromer year, right? That's the Cromer year. That's the Brandon Marshall unacceptable year. That's the oh, yeah. um, Robbie, I think only was able to attempt 12 field goals. Like he had like three or four straight weeks where Mm -hmm. they didn't even get in. You know, they didn't, they didn't have a field goal attempt. Um, Team got old, blah, 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 blah. The other game that kills Jay is the 2013 finale. And again, what were we going to do in the 2013 playoffs? Probably nothing. The Packers lost their first game of that postseason. But again, You're at home. You have a chance to beat the Packers, win the division. Um, We have that blown coverage. We don't have to rehash that. But then Jay gets the ball back. I forgot he did. Yeah, I I must have blanked this out of my memory. Uh, Everybody did because it's irrelevant hypothetically. But you got to remember, we had the ball against Green Bay in the NFC title game. Haney threw the pick. Jay had the ball the Week 17 finale in 2010 – the game where we needed to step on the Packers' throat and we didn't, that we lost 10-3. to That was the game that let Green Bay into the playoffs at all. So Jay had the ball at the end of that game. You talked about Romo throwing the pick at the mm-hmm. end of the game. Well, Jay threw a pick at the end of that Week 17 game against Green Bay in 2010. Um, I would have to look, I think he also threw one in the week 17 game in 2013, but he got the ball back and he wasn't able to do it. The other game that killed Jay was the game the week before that doesn't get enough credit for being just, just heinous, which was that 54 to 11 loss to the Eagles. So we had a chance to clinch. That was such a bad game. (laughs) That was so awful. And we had a chance to clinch the division that week. We wouldn't have even needed that stupid mm-hmm. Packers game, and 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 we had a chance to close out, and we couldn't do it there. Um, and again, I'm just going to give uh, my fellow Bears fans a little Bears PTSD. Let's just run through the um, let's just run run through the drives here at the start of this game. This is Bears Eagles Week 16, 2000. 2000- uh, Thirteen bears go three and out. Oh, this is against Foles. God. Sh- okay. Bears, <laughs> Doesn't that hurt? <laughs> bears, bears. Bears. Bears go three and out. Uh, Philly drives pretty quickly. Foles five yards to Riley Cooper. Seven nothing. Um, Hester fumbles the ensuing kick. Foles goes twenty-seven yards to Ertz. Eight to Deshaun Jackson. Lashawn McCoy back-to-back runs touchdown. Fourteen nothing. That's two drives. Bears go three and out. And the Eagles then go down, Foles to Selleck, 10 yards, 21-0 at the end of one. And then it was 24-0, 24-3 at the half. Forte got tackled for a safety, and then they scored again. It was 33-3. So that was a game where it's like, okay, if you really start to isolate – of football life and you look at the run of someone's career and you say like what were all the little turning points and for Jay that end of that 13 not because we would have done anything necessarily but because that was another opportunity to erase that 2010 feeling and if he was able to beat Green Bay in 13 or just at least get back to the playoffs then um then Bears fans might have gone a little bit easier on him but on the other hand we'd have a reason to because he would have gotten us back to the playoffs. 14 sucked, 15 was bad, and then 16 was his last year. So it just never he never was able to do that, you know, it's funny because he had those he had those fourth quarter comebacks. He had those game-winning yep. drives. Um even that year in 13, even in 15, remember the throw he made to to Forte? Um, uh, that sideline play
1: to Bennett too, at one point, I can't yeah, remember the year, but against, yeah, that uh, was Minnesota. against Minnesota,
0: that was, that was week two against Minnesota in 2013. Um, the Forte play was against the chiefs, um, to seal a crazy comeback against them in 2015. So Jay was fun. He had his ups, but he had his downs And ultimately he was not what everyone hoped. Um, Would I do the trade again? Yes. Uh, I just, yeah, Yeah. I guess I would. (laughs) All right. I mean, here's the alternative. The alternative is you keep Kyle. And then you know you're in the market for a quarterback. And then you look to draft someone and maybe – you know when you miss on the wrong quarterback, that it sets you back two ways. It sets you back because it's the wrong guy, and it sets you back because you feel like you can't go out and draft the right guy. And that's what happened. Again, I love Rex, but that's what happened with Rodgers. If we didn't have Rex two years earlier, we would have drafted Rodgers in 05. Now the one that really hurts is that, and Jerry Angelo later admitted this, and he said, you know, we were so focused on thinking that we needed another. A boost at running back, which was crazy because we had Thomas coming off a good first season, but they took Benson instead of Demarcus Ware. And Jerry Angelo later said, you know, if I'd been true to ourselves, like I would have taken Demarcus Ware. God, now imagine Ware Gosh. next Ryan, <laughs> Hunter Hillenmeyer becomes your like do it all backup and special teamer. Mm-hmm. And Demarcus Ware now is in that Super Bowl. Um, And then, and then then if you don't draft Benson, then you don't game plan with Benson and then you game plan more for Thomas. So when Cedric gets knocked Mm -hmm. out, you're not thinking, oh no, we lost our part of our game plan. So they keep the ball to Thomas. Maybe you win that Super Bowl. Then you don't trade Thomas. Then when you have yeah. the quarterback problems, I mean, it all just sort of ripples. It God, it always comes back to that Super Bowl. That is the worst experience that I've had as a fan. That was worse than Bartman. That was way worse than Bartman. Even if we hadn't won in 16, that was worse than Bartman. So um,
1: I can't but, speak on... Oh, go for it. You go ahead.
0: No, nah, man, I'm just flowing here. It's all you got you it.
1: freaking mm-hmm. terrible. It is terrible. What I it's You want to hear a crazy... Uh, perspective on that Super Bowl that was I'm serious like I I don't know what was going on but sixth grade Robert Schmitz had no interest in football whatsoever but seventh grade decided to sit with his dad and actually watch the playoffs as the Bears went to the Super Bowl and I was I was just hooked especially after we beat the Saints we were going to the Super Bowl dad was going to be so excited and I it's going to sound like such a kid Bears fan but I went to sleep dreaming Devin Hester would take back the opening kickoff when that happened that was just unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. It it, it it's you like, do? that's the only I way to, to describe work. it. I I was jumping around like classic kid stuff, just ju- jumping around like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then I don't know if it was the next Bears drive, but Thomas Jones had a 55-yard touchdown run in that game too, right?
0: Well, it was a, it was a 52-yard run that took us okay. inside the 10. He did, He didn't score, but yeah.
1: Because I remember, I have that memory burned in my brain of him rounding the edge, and I can never remember what happened. Because a lot like how you're feeling, I never have gone back, or I've not gone back and watched the game uh, in a very long time because it hurts to think about. But exactly, I've watched, like
0: you're- I've watched that game too many times. That is my <laughs> subruder film.
1: That, that makes sense. Uh, one thing that didn't make any sense, though, to a seventh grader who had no understanding of roster construction or of draft picks, I didn't know what the draft was, was why Thomas Jones, the guy who had dominated for the Bears all season, got traded for Cedric Benson, the guy who just couldn't hold a candle to him. That didn't make any sense to a kid who just you watched the
0: games. You weren't, you weren't alone. That didn't, that didn't make sense to many people. And again, I mean, you talk about... <clears throat> you talk about Jay, why we felt we needed him, and you just sort of look back at that Super Bowl, and then you look at 07, 08, and then it's like, we could have gotten by, like, we could have. Like, we could have game-planned better. I remember thinking that in in 05, with a, with a fourth-round rookie quarterback who was pushed into service at the last minute because of an injury, we game-planned, you know? We we didn't tell Kyle Orton go out and do everything you can to win us the game. We chilled it out, man. Uh, You know he had his first TD pass in week two against the Lions. It was a very short. I don't know inside the ten, pass to Moose over the middle, and. You know, we didn't we didn't call on him to do everything. And then, as the team started rolling, it was like we got this. We're gonna run the ball. We got Thomas Cedric was killing his rookie year before you know before he got hurt. We had Ant, uh, we had uh, Adrian Peterson. We had a, just a, a boss line, and then we had that defense. And it was like we showed an acknowledgement of the of the strengths and weaknesses of the roster. You know, KYP right? And know your personnel mm-hmm. and. um and it bugged me that the exact same coaching staff didn't do that in the Super Bowl with Rex. I don't think you can bench him. I mean, there have been people who've been like, "We should have benched him at halftime." And I'm like, I was a two point game. This guy's played all. He's been your starter all season. That is a that is an extraordinary note of um, of, of of pessimism, mm-hmm. and that can backfire." You know, I thought that Alabama move was crazy where they benched uh, old boy for uh, Tua. Yeah. um mm-hmm. And it, it worked out, but I was kind of like, ooh. Um, but you game plan for for that strength. You take the ball out of Rex's hands and um, and maybe you win that game. And that, that always bugged me. Well, Ron Turner was Jay Cutler's first <laughs> offensive coordinator uh, in Chicago as well. And... And then I wonder if he felt like, oh, cool, we finally got one. Mm -hmm. And then Jay just was like this interception machine. And then Turner was gone. I wondered about that. I wondered if Turner had gotten one more year, you know, because then we went to Martz and Martz then sort of put the kibosh on Greg Olson, um, because he didn't block. And (laughs) like that, I know you're laughing. It's just totally scandalous. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, so I, I wondered about that, you know, but th- listen, listen, you can carve this up a million ways. And, 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 and at the end of the mm-hmm. day, Jay just wasn't good enough. Yeah. And, uh, and he was, and he was given the money and he was given, um, listen, they put a lot of pieces around him. They gave him Brandon, Alshon, Marty B Forte. They retooled the offensive line in 13. Um, and you know, I loved watching the dude play. He just, he just wasn't good enough.
1: The play that I've got pulled up as so I'm. I bet you have yours off the top of your head, but uh, there there was a play that I remember that was the moment that I went from being Jay's our guy, like we should never move on to him, to okay, I think that's it. I think his uh, his fate sealed, and it was against Green Bay to open the season September thirteenth, two thousand fifteen. Jay had played an otherwise mm-hmm. uh, okay game. Uh, and the the Bears really had a shot at winning. And you, as you know, I'm sure, uh, he throws a really nasty, very classic Jay interception to Clay Matthews of all people. Uh yeah.
0: And obviously, when you're that throwing, when he was uh, Matthews. He had he had, a, he had a, like a running back maybe coming over <laughs> the middle. Yeah.
1: And if I'm remembering correctly, you at one point for WGN was talking about how Jay said that he, as soon as he threw that ball, he knew it was. He knew it was just like it was going to be intercepted and a, a lot like what you said. I, I really agree that at that point in his career, he just didn't get that excuse anymore. He right. just didn't have the opportunity to say that and have fans go, he'll get him next time. No worries. And it was crazy then knowing that the era was going to come to a close because it, it was just a matter of time. But it. It w- it really felt like a- the slamming of one of those really big cinematic books that you see in movies a whole lot, where it's like, wow, that's it. That's the one I think he's going to go. And from there, we were thrown into this position of turmoil, kind of, where the Bears had Cutler, but it was a matter of time before he left. We had a new GM. We had uh, – he was probably looking for a quarterback, and we knew that. But if there was one thing – that I do want to give him credit for, Jay Cutler. I think he was two things. He was, number one, the best quarterback that the Bears have ever had. I find that hard to argue, but not something that I gloat about because I, if in a word, I think Cutler was average. He ended his career with the Bears, I believe, at exactly 500, which feels perfect uh, for everything that he was as a player. Uh, so many highs, so many lows, and ultimately right there in the middle, Able to do anything, probably wouldn't though. At least not when you desperately needed it. And he well, gives just, us this,
0: yeah, one second, because that is like that is like the most poetic um, you uh, uh, epigraph for Jay Cutler. <laughs> able to do anything, probably wouldn't. Is that what you said? That was yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's how it felt. I mean, in game four of the regular season, when the Bears were 0-3, I'm making this up, by the way. I don't think this is a real situation. He'd be the guy who would lead the Bears back. But when you desperately needed him, he was either hurt, which not, wasn't necessarily his fault, or he was going to make a mistake that would have you uh, out of your chair, hands in the air, saying, how in the world did you do that? Uh, a classic J game, just to mention it was that uh DeAndre Hall four interception game i I don't know of a quarterback that's thrown four interceptions to the same guy uh, since then. and I'm pretty sure frankly that Cutler got Hall paid like crazy. not only, uh,
0: not only did he get Hall paid, he kept peanut out of the pro Bowl. <laughs> and no <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. D'Angelo De- Hall ended with six interceptions that year, uh, four of which came on Jay in one game. <laughs> and he went to the Pro Bowl, and he went over over Charles. So that's, uh, that would have been Charles's first of three consecutive Pro Bowls. And as I've said, one of the main problems that Charles faces with the possibility of the Hall of Fame is that he didn't have enough Pro Bowls. And one of the reasons he didn't have enough Pro Bowls was because nobody understood what he was doing. And the next Charles Tillman, who is forcing fumbles in lieu of racking up interception numbers, is going to get all the accolades because the Pioneers never do. And if Jay hadn't thrown, I don't want to lay this on Jay, but if Jay hadn't thrown four interceptions (laughs) to D'Angelo Hall, Charles Tillman has three Pro Bowls. Um, I don't know if that would have been enough to get the job done, but um, I just feel like it should be pointed out. The
1: Hall of Fame argument for Peanut could be its own separate podcast in case you want to hear one fan's opinion. I've always thought that if you change the game, you're in the Hall of Fame, period. I I'd Almost full stop. And the fact that now you see so many corners, so many safeties, doing what they will call on the air the Peanut Punch. It, it blows me away that he's not a first ballot guy. But hey – that's how the NFL is sometimes, isn't it? All right. uh,
0: now, all right. Now I have to take issue with you. This has all been this has all been very, very nice and cordial. Okay. And aligned. Okay. Um, but now I have to take issue with you. Come on. <clears throat> but what's interesting about this is I'm also going to take issue with a former version of myself, and what I think might have been I'm pretty sure the first piece that I wrote for Windy City Gridiron. And that is that Jay Cutler is not the best quarterback in Bears history.
1: Oh, and that okay. is,
0: And that is far and away Sid Luckman. Now, the case for Jay is this concept that you evaluate players of different eras based on evolutionary athleticism. And the idea that, well, if you put... Jay Cutler into nineteen forty-three, like he's throws for a bajillion touchdowns. And if you put Dwight Howard into the nineteen fifties, he's, you know, Will Chamberlain and all this. I don't think that you can judge greatness that way. And I don't think that um I don't think that it's relevant really, because like, yeah of course Jay was a more physically gifted player one-to-one than Sid Luckman, but he wasn't a more physically gifted player based on their respective times. And he certainly didn't have the galvanizing personality that Sid had, that a quarterback needs. He didn't have anything close to, to Sid's uh, um, upsides and his peaks and his great years. I wrote about this last year, but people should take a look at Sid Luckman's 1943. Um, he threw 28 touchdowns, which was a record at the time. He has still based on that year, the highest, um, for, you know, qualifying quarterbacks, the highest percentage of touchdown passes per attempt. Peyton Manning had 55 TDs, um, to set the NFL record in what was that? 2013. I think right around then. Yeah. 12 might've been 2012, which was his first year with the, with the, with the Broncos If you gave Peyton Manning 1943 Sid Luckman's um, percentage, he would have thrown 92 touchdowns.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) So what I think is a more interesting debate, because you can't really do Sid versus Jay, and I wrote this, um, and thank you to Windy City Gridiron, uh, Dane at the time, and Les, because I knew Les, Thank you to those guys for putting me on and listen, it's a well argued piece. I just have come to a point where I fundamentally disagree with it. Um, and that's fine. I'm fine to say that. Yeah. However, the more interesting one and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little spoiler alert here, a little teaser. Um, we are in the process. I won't spill the beans completely, but I'll just say that we are in the process as a staff of compiling a list. And it will be an exciting list. Yeah, it will. And among the elements within that list is a question. Who was the second greatest Bears quarterback of all time? Jay Cutler or Jim McMahon? And I am Team Cutler, and I think most everyone else is Team McMahon. And the concept is that, well, Jim, you know, he had a Pro Bowl. Jay didn't. He had a... uh, he had a uh, obviously a championship Jay didn't I think that if you put Jay behind the 85 Bears offensive line he stays healthy however he again didn't galvanize his teammates the way that McMahon did you put McMahon behind that 2010 line and he's <laughs> in ICU um I think that if you look at like this from a historic perspective of like who was the quote unquote greater bear it, it gets into all these little you know how do you slice up a definition exactly is, is, is how do you measure and define whether someone was greater or whether someone was mm-hmm. better like jim mcmahon was the better quarterback than jay but jay might have been i guess mcmahon was kind of the greater quarterback i'm talking my way out of this debate that we have going on via email right now mm-hmm. um <laughs> jeff will be excited um but uh <laughs> but but I, I but I think that the way that I came down on it was that Jay ultimately was the more important Ugh, McMahon won a Super Bowl. All right. I give you guys are right. Jay's third. Hang
1: on, hang on. let oh. me let me try. let me let me give it a try here, okay? Uh, because there's a whole lot of Jay Cutler. so, Based on the criteria that you defined, uh, I would probably give you Luckman. Absolutely. Uh, Where I come at Jay being the greatest is as much – I hate to say this. It's as much tongue-in-cheek as it is me being serious because I look at Jay, and of course the main thing to point to is career passing yards. That's about all you get because Jay didn't do almost any of the things that would truly make somebody great. Oh, and touchdown Uh, passes. Oh yes, he does have touchdown passes, you're right. Uh but and, you look and, at those and I'll, and I'll note he does
0: not have interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: whenever I think of interceptions and historicity, hyster- I always think of uh, Kyle Orton's d- debut. I don't know why I do, but I do. Uh, uh how many interceptions did he have that game? Was it 5?
0: Was Washington? it 6? No, uh, he kept I... it light. We lost that game 9 to 7.
1: Okay. There uh, somehow I must have heard some uh legend then or some wrong fact but anyways back to jay uh the big thing for me was like
0: nine touchdowns 13 picks that whole year like they took the ball out of his hands effectively
1: which makes sense with jay the big thing that i have is that he played eight seasons for the bears obviously luckman has him beat at 10 uh mcmahon was mcmahon six or four i've got my numbers a little wonky there mcmahon was seven okay
0: five eighty six eighty seven 88,
1: 89. I believe it's seven, with Ed Brown at six. So Cutler has the second most seasons as a Bear, uh, and he's got the most touchdowns and the most yards, like we've mentioned. And
0: Sorry, I meant 82 to
1: 88. I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, The main thing that I think separates Cutler from the others, and this isn't fair at all, is just that the modern game of football has changed so much that I think it's hard to... Have a quarterback uh n- nowadays that's only all right, and people like Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning back when he was good uh we we kind of just keep seeing in the playoffs that you want a Patrick Mahomes. you well, I guess maybe we don't because Tom Brady and Jared Goff, who both have limitations, of course, were the ones playing in the Super Bowl. but i I think I'm talking myself off this ledge too. <laughs> the more that I keep talking. But either way, Jay Should we should we
0: email everybody right now and,
1: and concede? <laughs> I think I think that's fair. But yeah, just Jay, did it. Did it, Jay makes that Jay makes the podium it, and he absolutely is a bear's caricature that I don't think anybody will ever forget. It's weird that. to think that anybody would forget him, but smoking Jay is legendary <laughs> and will remain legendary uh, because I will keep it legendary if I'm the only one left doing it. That is like uh, I look back at Cutler. I think one of the most important things he did was carry the franchise for those eight seasons and pass it off to Trubisky because in his averageness at the end of the day, I always look back and I say, if you thought Cutler was bad, then at least you have a standard. Because back when Orton was playing, back when Grossman was playing, man, I remember my dad uh, in that awful stretch that Grossman had uh, throughout the playoffs where it was like good wrecks or bad wrecks. He would always give his quarterback a chance because it's all he knew to do. Uh, Quarterbacks in Chicago were a matter of staying out of the way uh, just as much as they were about doing anything positive. So with Jay Cutler, you got all those positive plays, even though you had plenty of negative plays to point to. I always look back at Cutler and I think of him as the perfect Trubisky benchmark. If Trubisky can end up better than Cutler in terms of just game to game playmaking, certainly making plays down the stretch when the Bears need him, which so far it's looking like he can, which is awfully nice. uh, I think he'll be he'll He'll make the mantle. He'll probably replace Cutler in that top three,
0: dude if he doesn't replace Cutler in the top 3. <laughs> that's fair. We're going to be doing a sad ass podcast in 8 years, my boy. It, it's going to be it's going to be some sorry sorry shit, man. Just some sad Bears fans fair. talking about how Mitch Trubisky didn't even pass the freaking J-bar. Good god. I mean, I'm I going don't... to bed soon. Yeah, Do you really ahead. need to send me off into that sweet sweet no. night with thoughts of Mitch Trubisky not eclipsing?
1: That's Jay that's Cutler? I think... I guess I think that that's, that's what Robert. we have to... Hey, Jack, what I'll say is that that is to me why he makes such a good benchmark is because it's very doable, and it should be very doable. That's that's what it is to be a Bears quarterback, you know? Uh, it's always been crazy to me. I always look at that record book, and it's amazing that uh, Cutler never passed Kramer on the single-season list. And, of course, true. every Bears fan is uh is has their fingers crossed and they are ready for that that name in particular to read Mitch Trubisky after the twenty nineteen season. Uh if it doesn't, we'll be pumped If he's not the first Bears quarterback to throw four thousand yards.
0: Oh that's gonna be bad news. But yeah, I mean it looked like it looked like that was gonna happen it looked like that was gonna mm-hmm. happen this year. I mean for exactly. sure. Without the injury then I mean he it was on pace like to do it. that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I think, yeah, I, th- I think he makes a good benchmark. You've got me convinced that he is not only not the best bears quarterback, but he's also not the second best bears quarterback,
0: but well, that's, that's news to me. Um, I, I was, I'm actually going to email the guys right now and, and let them know that I've backed off <laughs> that we can, we can proceed to adjust our top secret project accordingly.
1: Mm-hmm. I am so excited for that project, by the way. I, I okay. love reading through that list. Um, I can't talk about
0: it, so I can't won't. Talk. We, we this is <laughs> top secret. Uh, I'll just say that Windy City Gridiron readers will be uh, very very excited. It's uh, it's gonna be dope. And shout out to Jeff and Sam for really for leading the charge on this thing that we're not gonna discuss any further. So,
1: what do you have as far as final thoughts on Jay the Man Cutler? Uh, it was,
0: uh, it was... If you want
1: some time to think, I've got some.
0: Sure. Listen, um. I'm happy it happened. I'm glad we got to do it. It was uh, it was a little like Ben Gordon again. Uh, you know, not perfect, but fun. Um glad it happened. And Ben Gordon sort of seeded the seeded the way for Derrick Rose. Jay Cutler as you said sort of was the entry point into Money Mitch. Um I now I don't Ugh, now I've just set Mitch up for a career-ending ACL injury. Great. Yep. Um, yep. But not for another two years. <laughs> yeah. Listen, uh, Cuddy was fun, and um, and I appreciate what a lot of his teammates have said. I appreciate the stories that have been told about him, about the way that he made new teammates feel welcome, and um, some of his charity work, and. You know, I remember Kyle Long saying that he always had like a, he had like a plate at Jay's house, you know, whenever he was, we need to go That's over, really cool. you know, do something. I know that his Vanderbilt teammates spoke very highly of him. And um, Jay seemed like a lot of fun when the cameras weren't rolling, uh, which is funny because now he's a lot of fun. Yeah, when
1: now he's a level. lot of fun when yeah. the cameras are rolling. Yeah,
0: exactly. But um, listen, I'm glad it happened. I'm sorry we didn't win a Super Bowl. Uh, and, uh, and I'm glad it's over, and um, onward, yourself.
1: So I have I have to open my thoughts of Jay Cutler with a story of my experience with his jersey. Jay Cutler was one of the latest Bears jerseys that I bought outside of the obvious Urlacher jersey. I got a Tommy Harris jersey almost the week before his career ended, which was great. Uh, I got... Or, I had my brother had a Nation Vasher jersey. And then when he got Brandon Marshall, I decided it was time to go get Cutler. And I wore that jersey every single game that I possibly could. I'd, I watched some of them, uh, of course, being from Dallas and going to college at the time, I was watching some of the games on my phone. But every time I was watch, er, watching at home, I would wear that Cutler jersey, and we would almost always lose. Ever since Cutler left, that jersey has a hundred percent loss rate. Almost every big game, I would have that jersey on. You can ask my wife. And almost at the end of every game, that thing would end up in a corner where I had ripped it off and thrown it. So whether I like it or not, Jay Cutler has been a lot of fun. So many highs. He was my first quarterback. He was my introduction to the Chicago Bears personality that we kind of have going, or I don't know. I just look back, and I love the way that Jay, there's this picture of him on the Chicago streets flipping off the person taking the, the picture that I felt like embodied what it was like to be a Bears fan at that time, where people would poke us and prod us, but ultimately, we just didn't care. And I know I picked that mantle up. He... Constantly did things wrong. He constantly did things right. The Aaron Cromer situation, I don't think he could have handled it any better. And sometimes I wonder whether people remember just how classy he was in the wake of just getting embarrassed on a national level. And he gave me one of my favorite Bears memories when he ran over Harrison Smith for a touchdown run uh, in that Vikings game, completely dispelling the idea that he wasn't tough enough. And at the end of it all, he is what reminds me just how well Trubisky doing. When I watch Trubisky do a lot of the things that I point and say, I don't think Jay could have ever done that. And I'm guess I'm glad he's not here. I'm glad I'd get to watch him on reality television instead of watching him on the football field. And I'm just excited. He makes me excited for the bears going forward.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's well said. That's well said. Um, Jay Cutler.
1: Jay Cutler, everybody.
0: <laughs> friggin' Cutler. Okay. Well, South thank Park, you so much. South Park yeah. was right.
1: Thank you so much for coming on, Jack. Uh, do you want to let the listeners know where they can find you and what you're up to?
0: Sure, yeah. You can peep me on uh, at readjack on Twitter. Say what's up. I'm always dropping threads, dropping videos, newspaper clippings, yeah um, can uh and and you should uh hit me up on instagram a shot on elo it's a chicago sports history ig um so you should peep that and uh yeah that's it be well windy city gridiron what's up aging media what's up senior housing news holler uh check out how the goat was built um, free books. Now I'm just saying things. It doesn't matter. Do you love the bears uh, baseball starting soon? I don't know. Be one with the earth. Go ahead. There it is. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> that was corny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me
1: anytime. And there you have it folks. The one and only Jack M Silverstein and everything you could have ever asked about or tangentially related to Jay Cutler. But now it's your turn. What do you think about Jay Cutler? Do you like him? Do you hate him? Let me know over on Twitter at at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. Or any of the Windy City Gridiron articles. Certainly the one that I use to post this podcast. Let me know what you think. I'm always curious to hear it. And until next time, bear down. And thanks for bearing with me.